Praise the Lord. Our series, The Word, Faith. Our series is The Word, What? Faith. Understand the various shades of meanings of the word faith as used in the Bible. Message number four, the word faith in the New Testament. And we have been looking at this subject. And we are saying the need for us to look into this subject is because if you don't understand the meaning of a word, if that word has anything for you, if it has an experience for you, if it has a provision for you, if it has God's purpose for you, if it has God's plans for you, if it has God's provisions for you, if you don't understand the meaning, you will not be able to have the experience. Apart from that, you will be boiled down, bogged down with some kind of disagreement, confusion, debate, misinterpretation. Is that true? And faith, I've observed that faith is one of those words. Words. You know, before I wrote the book on faith, I spent years meditating on the subject of faith. And I tried deliberately to glance at, look at every material out there on faith. But I focused on the Bible. And God gave me the revelation he gave me on that book. And I thank God for that. Somebody saw that thickness and said, you mean all these things were in your head? I say, yeah, they were. <laughs> but you know where they were? They were in the world. But to a large extent, when you see a writer put something on book, on paper, you, you can, that can tell you what his mind has been working on. And that's not the full volume. I had to cut off things like doubt, unbelief, hope. They were all there. I had to cut it off, cut them off for another volume. But the point I'm making is that the subject of faith is so large. And there is a lot of controversies which I consider unnecessary. A lot of misunderstandings which I consider needless. And you know why? A key reason for all these controversies and misinterpretations is because of the lack of understanding of that word, faith. Because in the Bible, there are many shades of meaning of the word faith. Are you following? In the Old Testament, we saw that even though the idea of faith was there, people exercised faith in the Old Testament, but the word faith was used only one place in the Old Testament. Did we see that? Huh? Uh-huh. Habakkuk 2, 4. Is that correct? My righteous one shall live by faith, or the righteous shall what? Live by faith. In other places, it was used in the faith was uh, demonstrated in the Old Testament. It was in the what? Verb form. Praise God. We saw that. And then in that verb form, it was mostly, for the most part, there are two words in Hebrew. One was a man, from which we got amen. 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 Uh, that means to be firm in your conviction about something. To the point you can say, when God speaks, you say, because you're firm in your conviction about the word of God. You say to it, so be it, meaning amen in Hebrew. Another word for faith in the, in the, in the Bible, in the, in the Hebrew, that is translated actually faithfulness, is that quality of God. 
uh, uh, that speaks of his dependability or reliability. That you can rely on God. You can trust God. You can depend on God. And that quality is known more as faithfulness. And that you as a believer also is a quality that God expects you to, to have. And we'll come more to that. Then we moved over to the New Testament and we began to see some of the characteristics about the word faith in the New Testament. That the exercise or experience of faith in the New Testament is heavy. Much more in the Old Testament. And that in the New Testament, both the noun form and the verb form are present. The noun form in the Greek is pistis. In the English, the noun form is faith. The verb form, I'm talking about New Testament now, is that okay? The verb form in the New Testament in the Greek is pisteo. Amen? All right. And in the English, the verb form is what? Believe or to believe. Are you all following? Okay. And so, another observation we made in, on the word faith in the New Testament is that there are many more or much more shades of meaning for the word faith in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you notice, there are a lot of controversies about faith, what faith means and how to exercise it in the modern church. Part of the reason, the major reason for that conflict and controversy is lack of the understanding of the fact that there are many shades of meaning for the word faith. Are you all following? Huh? Okay. Take for instance, some people will take to you, oh, faith is a gift. Huh? And some people will say to you, faith is a, a fruit. And someone will say to you, faith is uh, your religious... Uh, 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 the, uh, you know, vocation. The truth is that all three are right. But, <laughs> but, you can't use one occurrence of that word to explain another occurrence of it somewhere else if they are not saying the same thing. So what we are doing here is like we're going back to the meaning of that word so that when you're studying the Bible and you see that word faith, you know exactly what it's talking about in, within that context. So, what are the examples of the uses of the word faith in the New Testament that we saw so far? Number one, faith as a what? A religious belief. In the New Testament, that is usually spoken of as the faith. Are you all following? That's usually spoken of as what? The faith. So when you have that definitive article there in front of faith, it's more than likely it's talking about faith as a religious vocation, as a, a religious profession or vocation or confession that's based on the fact that for Christians that Jesus is the Son of God and is the Messiah, is the only way to God. And it's based on the fact that on the basis of his death and finished work, only upon the basis of, uh, his, uh, of his death and finished work can a soul receive redemption and salvation and can a soul 
have righteousness with God. So if you are a part of this body of humanity that accept these truths, then you are of the faith. Did we see scriptures that spoke about that? Huh? So you can't use those scriptures to talk about somebody exercising faith to receive something. That's not what the word faith in those cases is talking about. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? We saw places whereby the church is called the household of what? Faith. So there, faith, the word faith is spoken of as a what? A household. Can you take a household to believe something and receive something? Can you take a household and receive healing with it? No. But still, it's appropriately, the, uh, the word faith is appropriately used for that. So it is more of the faith, meaning that group of humanity who have come to a conviction of the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and is the only way to God and he's the Christ. And that only by his death and finished work, hallelujah, can humanity receive redemption, salvation, righteousness with God. This is just a summary. Number two, the second one was faith. The word faith used as what? As a fruit of the Spirit. You know about the fruit of the Spirit. We gave a series years ago here about the fruit of the Spirit. So, and so there are times you're going to see the word faith being used as an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Again, that's not speaking about faith with which you can receive healing. It's not speaking about faith as a spirit sense organ. Are you all following? It's speaking of faith as a quality, as a character trait. I don't think you're following that. Are you following that? Okay. <laughs> because if you look at the list of things referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. What other things are included on that list? Anybody remembers? Come on now. Oh, because is that why you didn't have a, a guest? Huh? Love, kindness. Are you following? Patience. What else could you say except me? Yes? Long-suffering. People will like you for saying that. <laughs> okay? That's a form of patience, yeah. Uh, yes? Huh? Goodness? Meekness. Very good one. Kindness. Yes. Any other? Faith comes in there. In the King James Version, it's called faith there. But if you look at the context where that is used, you know that will not just be faith as a pair of spirit sense organ. It's faith as a quality of character is faith as a character attribute. It is faith as a kind of a moral a virtue. It is faith as a kind of a, 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 an aspect of moral excellence. P both Paul and Peter spoke about it. In Galatians 5, 22 to 23, Paul calls it faith in the King James Version. The other modern versions call it faithfulness. 
Amen? Okay, in, in, in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, it's listed, you see a listing of those other qualities. And you see faith there also. So, we began to see that this is faith, not as a pair of spiritual sense organ with which you can perceive grace and receive it. No. This is faith as a quality. You can call it, because those fruits of the Spirit are called, uh, you can call them Christian character or Christian virtues or kingdom character or kingdom virtues. Are you all following? So faith in that sense is a virtue or character trait that belongs to God. Originally, is God's character trait. It's an aspect of God's character. But because of Jesus, and Jesus being the Son of God, has a big attribute and character trait the Father has. And now, because he's the first son, and he's begotten all of us as sons and daughters to God. Are you following? He takes of that character trait that the Father has to himself, which he, as Jesus, also inherited from the Father. Then he imparts it on us. And so, for now, for the, our present subject, we'll be talking more about faithfulness. Are you all following? Huh? So, and you're going to see it in the Bible. But we saw it already in the Old Testament. Is that not correct? Now we're going to see it in the New Testament. And so, we saw this trait uh, as one out of the many divine traits of character that belongs to God, which is in Jesus, and which Jesus imparted to us, and which, listen to this, pay attention to this, which is called a fruit. Is that correct? So, it, what does, where does a fruit come from? A tree. What do you do with a tree? You cultivate it. I'm emphasizing this because another mention of faith will not really need cultivation. It will just be dropped on you and you use it. Okay? But this particular genia of faith is what we're talking about now. So, the Holy Spirit now has a job which we must cooperate with him for. So what the Holy Spirit does is that he takes those character traits, including faithfulness, and seeing that Jesus has put it in us, then he begins to prod, prod, prompt us to cultivate it, to source water, or to pour water on it, to fertilize it, to keep using it. As we use it, it keeps growing. Are you all following? Huh? Okay. And so, and you know what? If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, all of them, all of them needs you to cultivate them. And the purpose of getting you to cultivate them is to develop your character. And you can have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit all you want. If you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you end up like Samson. Samson had the gifts, but he lacked in many aspects of the fruit. And every one of God's children experiences this. Are you all following? I, even Saul, even David, Abraham, there are areas where we lack in certain aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we all don't have the same level of patience. Is that correct? Huh? <laughs> uh, uh, but is that permissible? No. 
It's not permissible. Don't say, hey, I'm not Sister Magazine. It's a very pleasant person. Don't try with me off. Are you all following? Okay, you have to find out from Sister Magazine, how did you cultivate patience? Because you know why? God also wants you to cultivate patience. And then Sister Magazine may turn around and say, you know what? You know one thing I find about you? You are very kind. How do you do it? And that's where they say iron sharpens iron. <laughs> are you all following? Are we on the same level of faithfulness? But is there an excuse for that? What does the Holy Spirit want us to do? Come to him and say, listen to me. And you know the funny thing? We all have every one of those fruits. Where we lack, where we are lacking, it's in the area of cultivation. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? We have enough of every fruit of the Spirit to lead us through life. But, you know why we don't come to it? Come in, come in the fullness of it. Because we don't have strength for cultivation. And you know the funny thing I found with God? The more, the more you exercise uh, or, uh, you know, experience weakness in that area, the more he'll keep challenging you in that area. Because if you have temper, for instance, <laughs> you will never be in short supply of aggravators in your life. Uh, okay, you didn't get that. Okay, because when you think you're done, the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not done. Let's try you one more time. You thought your wife is a problem or your husband is a problem. He will give you a supervisor on the job. You say, thank God I didn't marry this one. <laughs> Are you all following what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit for you. you know, Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. And yet, people got him to strike the rock. What are you talking about? Apart from Jesus, nobody is as meek as G Moses. But people got him to smite the rock. And he called them stiff-necked people. God said, he called my people stiff-necked. It's like, but God, I heard it from you. <laughs> and the Bible said, because of you, he went ill for him. And then he died, and they were mourning. They mourned 40 day, 30 days, right? Or 40. And they wanted to continue. God said, no, it's okay. Stop mourning. I've buried my servant. Same people. So, so we started talking about the faithfulness. Faithfulness, synonym, synonyms of faithfulness are dependability. Are you listening? Reliability. Huh? All right. Trust and tr trustworthiness. Okay? These are commitment. All those things. Huh? And what? Availability is a manifestation of it. Very good. And that's the part we are going to deal with tonight. Okay? So we say that this particular fruit of faithfulness, are you all listening now? This particular fruit known as faithfulness is one of the occurrences of the word faith in the New Testament. And we saw that it is a coin with two sides. You understand that? It is a what? A coin with what? Has anybody seen a coin with one side here? Anybody? You have not, right? So faithfulness as a fruit of the Spirit is a coin with two sides. We dealt with one side of the coin last Thursday. 
What was the one side of the coin that we dealt with last Thursday? Trustfulness. No, not trustworthiness. Trustfulness. Are you all listening? Because we're going over to the other side today. Get it right. You must get it right. What was the first side of the coin? Trustfulness. Meaning, there is a fruit of character that the Holy Spirit wants us to cultivate in ourselves by which we can always, without season, without fail, constantly reckoning with God as somebody that can be relied upon, that can be depended upon. And for that reason, he is somebody that you ought to commit things into his hands and go home knowing that whatever you put into his hands will come out good. You didn't get that. It's called trustfulness. Every believer is expected of God to see God that way and to relate with him that way. And when we don't do that, we run a problem into problems. And you know what? Some of the problems, we go and do stuff that are crazy and they will come back to haunt us. I mean, that's a subject. I'm going to treat this subject of faithfulness on its own series because we need it. But did you get what I'm, I said about trustfulness? Okay, I gave you an example. If you are able to, and many of you have fat bank accounts. You know what that means? You have this whole money. You went to the bank or in retirement investment. You gave to some fund manager. You never Googled. Are you all following? You don't know. What did you do? You are trustful toward them. If you can do that, which is a good thing to do, why not God? Uh, the, I, I, I don't know if anybody got that. The one person, the first person we must relate with in that way is God. Any other person that you can relate with that way is called the arm of the flesh. And it will fail you at any time. Check the Bible. Many times God was angry when his people didn't see him as trustworthy. And because they didn't see him as trustworthy, they were not trustful toward him. And his reaction was anger. Are you all following? Huh? And many of us, because of that, have had shipwreck of our faith. We have lost stuff. We have put ourselves into trouble. And let me say this. Hear me clearly, and we're going to talk more about this. We are also supposed to trust human beings, believers. Did I say human beings? No. We are supposed to trust believers that way. And did you hear me? I said supposed to. And it's unfortunate. <laughs> and I'm coming to that. Because we have to reevaluate our lives. The Bible makes it clear that we ought to trust one another. But I want to tell you, it has not been so in history. It 
has not been so in history. And whose fault is it? I know you're going to blame the devil. It's our fault. And uh, people have some genuine reasons why they can't trust people even in church. And it's unfortunate. It's, you know why? It's because people don't even understand what we are talking about. What, the things I'm teaching now, how many times have you heard them on TV or radio? If they just teach you faith to receive something from God, that's all. And it's unfortunate. And the devil is the one who's laughing at that. He's laughing, he's laughing his way to the bank for that reason. So, like we do in the bank, you take the money, you go to the cashier, right? You give him the money. He takes it, takes your card, does every transaction. Gives you back a what? A, 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 a receipt, right? Okay. Or whatever they call it. What you are doing, you are entrusting into his hands. Is that correct? That's entrusting. So, trustfulness has two parts. Faithfulness has two parts. Trustfulness and what? Trustworthiness. Now, trustfulness has two parts. Are you all following? Entrusting. The moment, because this will come to moment by moment issue. The moment you take that thing and commit to the one that you're trusting, and after you, that is that moment, that act is entrusting. After that, you walk away. What are you doing? You're trusting. How many of you call your bank morning and evening, say, just want to know how my money is doing? <laughs> no, seriously, if, either, if there's anybody here. Chase is here. Chase, may I help you? Just checking. I made some deposit on Monday. This is Thursday. I just feel I want to find. Is the money still there? What do you do? You go to sleep. Why is it that you can't trust God that way? So you do entrusting and you walk away trusting. Praise the Lord. And you know another thing about the modern banking system? Because every bank is required by the federal government to have FDC, FDIC coverage. Meaning if the bank collapses, are you following? The Treasury Department has to do something about it. I will not walk away without my money. Now, this is what people like Daniel, Esther saw and said, if I perish, I perish. The three Hebrew boys says, I know, we know our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, because they trusted him to the point of death. That's why the Bible says to you, casting all your care upon him, for he cared for you. Let me say this to you. There are problems you can never, ever, ever solve. There are things that will keep you awake. The more you think about it, before you know it, two months has gone, you keep losing weight. The problem is still there looking at you. Solve it, don't solve it. You don't even know what will happen next. You don't even know what will happen. One day, just make a decision. Say, God, look at the situation. I'm coming to your counter now. I'm giving it to you. From now on, it is yours. Didn't Peter say, casting all your cares upon him? Why? For his care for you. What's Peter asking us to do? Be trustful towards God. Why? Because he's dependable. He cares for you, not on an 
inconsistent basis. No, he has a covenant of commitment to make sure your well-being is secure. Didn't we read scriptures about this last week? All right. Are we okay with trustfulness now? What's this, the other side, the flip side? Trustworthiness. Get ready now. And I said, God is the one you can trust without having fear. Are you following? Yes. Amen. But does he expect us to trust man? Yes. Let me tell you too. Even if man disappoints you, and there are many, I don't think there's anybody here a man has not disappointed. And you have also disappointed men and women, not even only men. Even those of you who have pets, you have, you have disappointed your pets. So humanity is humanity. But at the same time, God will still challenge you. People have done crazy things because of previous disappointments. And they say, instead of me seeking another help, let me end it. The Bible says, woe is you. Woe is the person that will make any one of these little ones suffer. Are you listening to me? Make sure if people trust you, don't, from now on, But if they want to do something wrong, let them know, no, I can't let you do it. Let's go to the other side. I sound like one of these uh, social media persons. <laughs> Let's go to the other side, to the other news. No time. All right. Trustworthiness. Now, here's trustworthiness. Is God trustworthy? He's the one person that's perfectly trustworthy, right? And because of his trustworthiness or reliability or dependability, what does that ask us to do? Ask us to what? Trust him. Praise God. Now the, 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 the coin is flipped. God wants us to use that character of his that is in his, which through Jesus was imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. God said, I want you to use it. Why? You say, why, God? He said, because I want to trust you. He said, God, don't you know I'm a man? And you want to trust me? He said, yes, I know you're a man. But I gave you a part of my quality and character and the attribute of reliability you can be relied upon. I gave you my quality and attribute and attitude of dependability you can be depended upon. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Okay, you didn't get it. Eh? Check the Bible. It's full. The Bible is filled with this demand of God upon us. So God says, I want to trust you. That sounds Greek to some of you. How can God trust man? Yes, that God always does it. Does he get disappointment? All the time. But he will not stop because it's a principle. As long as he had that part of his nature known as trustworthiness in us, he will ask for it. It doesn't matter how many people disappointed him. Check. Every servant of God except Jesus disappointed God on one level or the other. You know what he does? He keeps trusting people. <laughs> and guess what happens? People keep disappointing him. 
Is there anybody here who has not disappointed God? Okay. Is there anybody here who feels that God is counting on them for something? Even after that disappointment? There you go. And some of you are even planning to disappoint him again. <laughs> if only we know what disappoints God and what doesn't. That's the problem. Much of what we will do to disappoint him is what we do to one another. Are you all following? I'm telling you. You know, there are people who need human beings like them to confide something. They have prayed to God. Maybe the Spirit of God is saying, you know what, go to this brother, go to this brother, confide to him. I prepare him to help you. Are you all following? Not that person coming to you. It is God coming to you. <laughs> you don't understand. You better be ready. It is God. God will not come down. Uh, listen, I told you this story years ago. Derek Prince is now with the Lord years ago. Fine teacher. Extraordinary. I mean, this guy was, at the time, was a missionary in West Africa. A highly educated man. Chose to leave all of that to serve God. Was a missionary in Kenya. In the 60s, I believe. And um, he he, between him and his wife, they raised adopted children. Adopted children and called their own. Took children. And they were most of them from Europe and other white and other. And when they felt they have come to a certain age, they can't do that. They can't do that anymore. That's their decision. You know, some of us who say, I have made a decision on this, that's it. That when God comes, you will rewrite your law. One hot afternoon, some people picked up a child who was born. The mother was delivering this baby and died. So some people, relations picked up looking for adoption. They say, you know that couple in the teacher training college, they adopt children. Go. They will adopt. Uh, they, they went that hot African afternoon. And the man said, well, my wife and I, we used to do that, but we have decided to stop. We can't handle You know that's an age in your marriage. You can't be waking up for Ryan now. At 2 a.m., he will run you. You go to, I mean, years ago, those days I'll be sent to the fridge and I'm, I'm, I'm sleepy. I'll go there and get the wrong milk and come. They say that's the wrong one. <sighs> How did I end up in this? I go back and I hand it to them. I go and I sleep and they're crying and fighting. You get to an age, you can't do it anymore. The man said, We can't do that now. They said, Okay, can we have water? And then we go. And I will look for that. We say, yeah, there's the water. And after the water, they stood up to go. And they were passing through the living room. And they got to where the man was sitting. The baby stretched his hand, her hands. Immediately, Derek Prince heard the voice of God saying, are you letting me go? He stopped them instantly. He said, stop. Said to the wife, come. <laughs> the wife followed. They went to the bed. He said, sit down here. They went there. Immediately, they came out with a decision. They came out and said, leave the child here. I spoke to that child on phone when I used to call that ministry. I spoke to that. He called the name and then he picked up the phone. One day, I called her name immediately because I know the story. Grew up. When they were coming to the United States, to Canada first, all the other children grown and married. This was their little baby now. 
they came to Canada after ministry. A minister, friend of them, invited him to the U.S. They were coming to, from Canada to the U.S., got to the Canadian border. They should have been passed so quickly. They asked them, who is this? They say, it's our child, our daughter. The, the U.S. official said, this is a strange mix. <laughs> the man was British, white. The wife was Scandinavian. And then they had this dark African girl. They stopped them. They arrested them. So you're not going anywhere. Say it's our daughter. And they provide. They got so kind. They had all the travel documents. They let them go. That's how the man had children and grandchildren. God counted on him, even against his decision. Even after he made this, God knew who will send that child, and God will come to you in disguises. So what is trustworthiness? Making use of that quality of dependability, reliability, and trustworthiness of God, which Jesus has put in you and the Holy Spirit is cultivating. Making use of faith. Growing with this faith to the point that both God and men will trust you. The pastor, what does that mean? It means you train yourself in being devoted. Are you listening to me? It will call for what? Devotion. Is that what you got, talked about? Availability. It call for availability. Because God does not need golden vessels. He doesn't even need silver. He doesn't need bronze. He needs yielded vessels. It calls for loyalty. These are the character traits that you have to look after to know that you are trustworthy. It calls for dedication. Are you, is anybody listening to me? Consistency. Oh, dear Lord. These are character traits. And when you have these things, your faith will go from being just a mere pair of spiritual organs by which you grab something and run. To becoming a character by which your spiritual senses will be at work moment to moment. Faith has to go beyond something you can exercise when you need something from God. And then you use your faith and take it. Faith has to go beyond that to being a character with which you work with God. And in that case, you will be floating, you'll be on cruise control. And anybody who works in faithfulness, many times he doesn't need to exercise faith to get anything. Why? Because he doesn't even have to have things on his need list. Sometimes before you even discover you have a need, God made provisions. Why? Because he knows that you need that thing to continue to serve him faithfully. You didn't hear me. Did you hear me? Okay. Because I have examples in the Bible. So I'm not just talking theory. I'm not talking my opinion. There are examples in the Bible. And when I start with this example, you'll be shocked. And that's what the Bible is dealing with in those places. Is anybody listening? All right. So both God and men will begin to trust you. What God and men will be saying about you are stuff like this. That you're dedicated. You're committed. You're available. Are you listening to me? You're loyal. Huh? It's not your high school principal saying, because these are the kind of words they taught us in school. Is that correct? 
that you have to be loyal, you have to be this. You're consistent. Hmm? You're dedicated. And in everyday jingo, lingo, here's what they will say. They will say about you, he's as good as his word. Have you had such slangs? Or when they finish with official English grammar on you, they will say, he's as good as his word. Meaning, he doesn't say I'm coming and he's going. Are you all following? These are things that will make people mock your Christianity. You never do what you say you're going to do. And there are people who are quick to promise everybody. They give appointment to everybody at the same hour. Not occasional accident, but they do it. They say, I'm coming to your house tomorrow at 4 p.m. And when they are going to going home this evening, they say, Sister, I'm coming to your home 4 p.m. tomorrow. How many 4 p.m.s can you keep? So, he's as good as his word. You can count on him. He will be there for you. But make sure you don't because you want to look good. Go and take things you can't handle. Just for people who say you'll be there for them. Okay? Alright. Otherwise, you'll go down faster than. Okay? But at the same time also, you cannot be somebody who's like, I'm on my own. I shall not be moved. Yeah, it's their church now. You can't. Because God is counting on it. Take for instance, take for instance, when we say evangelism, outreach, are you expecting God to import people from South America to come and do the evangelism? Eh? Okay. And if you're a member of this con congregation, don't you know that God is counting on you? You say, how about angels? Forget about them. They have their own job cut out for them. So if you're a part of this ministry, guess what? God is counting on you. Okay, sorry. I, I didn't know I, we could get practical because I've seen your faces. You don't like me anymore. Does God, is God counting on you when we say we are doing evangelism? So here's what modern Christians do. If they will come, they will come late. And they will call you and say, did anybody come yet? No, no, no. Uh, have you heard that? Eh? Sisters meeting. Brothers meeting. Well, the attitude is that, well, others can do it. No, you're telling the person, you're telling God that, God, you can't count on me. Whether you know it or not. You're telling the leader of the group and other members of the group, that you can't count on me. And they, if they will come, they want to know who has come first before they will think whether they will show up or not. That's not Christian quality of faithfulness. Remember we had a paper we used to, I had to use for you here, four people, uh, somebody, everybody. I'll pull it somewhere. I don't, I've not read it to you for, all he's talking about is people not being faithful. Did you get an example I'm giving now? Okay. <laughs> Who will open the church? If you think about somebody being there to open the church, to get the place ready, you won't come late. The reason why you come late is that you're saying to God, except there's a reason why, except there's something tangible. But you have all the time, and you prefer to stroll in at the end of the day. You're saying to God, you cannot count on me. Did you hear me? If there is dues to pay, 
and you all agree that you're going to make those contributions, and you're not bringing it, you are telling God, you cannot count on me. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to beat anybody. But can I tell you the truth? That's a meaning of faith in the Bible. Okay? So, another word is tried and true. Another word is solid as a rock. Another characterization. Always there. Can be counted on. Let's look at some couple of scriptures. Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Quickly. Let's go. Is anybody, are you receiving anything new this evening? Huh? Is this something that you can say, I need it, and I need to work on it? Is that true? If it, that's so with you, I want to see your hand. I want to see how many people God is talking to. You know what? My hand is also up. Are you in Genesis 18? Huh? Walk home this day and say, God is counting on me. In your family, there are going to be demands on you because God is counting on you. Not to talk about people who have children and don't care about their children. What kind of life is that? All right. Or get married to a spouse. And after I say I do, that's the end. No care, no nothing. That's irresponsibility. Does anybody follow? All right, moving on, moving on. Genesis 18, 16 to 19, quickly. Let's, let's have an example. Let's start with the father of faith. Abraham is the father of faith. Is that correct? Let's see how much of the faith he exercised. Yeah, all people know is how Abraham exercised faith to get Isaac. That's all people know. But there is much more to that. He went beyond faith to faithfulness. Are you following? Okay, watch. Here's what God said about it. Here's his book. Then the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. These are the when the, the divine God had visited Abraham on their way to Sodom. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Notice that. Why would God not lie, hide anything from Abraham? Since Abraham will surely do what? Become a what? A great and mighty nation. And in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Continue. For I chose him, I've chosen him, so that he may command what? His children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. There's a version that says, I chose him because I knew. I do what? Knew. That what? He will do what? Huh? He will be able to teach his children. If he knew that Abraham would not teach his children, he will have no business with Abraham. I want you to notice, Abraham never struggled for revelation from God. God, when you're going to Sodom, pass by my house. You pass by my house. I am your servant. You gotta pass by my house. He didn't know. Abraham didn't struggle with all those things. He was minding his business. God showed up. Why? Because God could count on him. Oh, come on. You don't understand what I'm saying. When God can count on you, there are things you don't go praying for. 
Abraham knew that Sodom was committing so much sin and that the stubborn nephew was there. He didn't go pounded. Oh, God, you got to save Lot. You save Lot. He didn't do that. God said, Lot has to be saved because of his uncle. He's my friend. I can count on him. I'll show you how. He said, Abraham, I stopped by you because I know you. And also, secondly, I chose you because you're somebody who will be able to tell your children right from wrong. And I know you taught your nephew right from wrong, but he didn't want to listen. And you know what? As if, not as if God, God knew. You know, after God told Abraham what he was going to do, huh? Abraham started interceding. Did you see the, faithful, the trustworthiness? Actually, that's why God stopped. Because in divine principle, God will dis destroy. But if God finds an intercessor, he will pull back. But God is reluctant to destroy. So he stopped by somebody whom he's counting on to do what? To intercede. If you can show up regularly in church, how can your family count on you? I want to say here that when we gather, we are here to pass laws. And it will be good that every family is represented. Have you heard me say it? Abraham changed that. That Lot and his surviving children came out of Sodom was because of Abraham's intercession. Why? See, both God and Lot counted on Abraham. Did he, did he, did he mess them up? No. Praise God. Hallelujah. Did you see that? Huh? God, I mean, sometimes you're woken up in the afternoon. You think it's because you drank too much in the 3 a.m. Because you drank too much coffee in the, in the day. Sometimes people like me still. But many times God is waking you up. It's not a time to change gear on your sleep. Okay, quickly. Job. Let's look at Job. Let's look at Job. Do you know that before the things that happened to Job's children, Job's children will have party and go to bed, the man will go behind with his life to make sure they didn't do anything evil. Huh? God counted on him to take care of the children. But let's see what happened. Let's see God's testimony on Job. Oh, this thing is that, this is faith that we are talking about here. Are you, are you following? Verse 6, verse 6, quickly. Job 1, 1. Verse 6. Job 1, 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about, that's his ministry, you know, from that, on the earth and walking around on it. Next, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Woo! Did Job know what was going on? No. For there is no one like him where? On the earth, what's God saying? I trust him. I can count on him. Satan, no matter how evil, no matter how tempting you are, I can count on Job. Was Job a man like you and me? So why was God having business trusting a man? Are you following? Okay. For there's no one like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. You notice that? That's what God found out about Job. God could not trust him, count on him. Tried and true. Then Satan answers the Lord and said, and the devil had tried Job before and knew that this man, God counts on this man. 
Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Notice the word fear. What's the, what does it mean? Worship. There cannot be effective worship without trustworthiness. It's impossible. Are you following me? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You know when we pray too much for divine protection? is when we know. <laughs> no, seriously. When something wrong, we, we, are, we are bothered with divine protection. It's good for us to pray. Because we are not perfect. But somebody like Job, all he did was to check the children, make sure everything is right, straighten everything out. And here is God discussing about protecting him without him praying. Okay, I will say that again to you. Are you ready? When we understand trustworthiness and begin to walk in it, there are things we will not get to ask God to do before those things manifest in our lives. Don't, I've been saying that for years. But the moment you start cutting corner with God, you start finding holes in your pocket. You didn't, you didn't hear me. Cut corner on time. You cut corner on money. You cut corner on helping others, love. Everything we cut corner. There's no trustworthiness there. The devil said, You have blessed the work of his hand. Then Satan answers, Lord, does God fear Job fear for nothing? And so on and so forth. Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hand, 11, and his possession have increased in the land. Notice that. His possession increased in the land. He didn't go about preaching, give me, give me, give me. No. M continue. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Job didn't hear this. But you know what? Even though he didn't hear that the devil was accusing him of this, he came to a point, and people around him, the wife said, why not curse God? Can you imagine if for a moment Job changed his stand? Next. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only do not put forth on, your, on him. Why did God say that? I don't care what you do. Job will stand. <laughs> See, why? Job had a quality of what? Trustworthiness. Um, I'm telling you, almost to the measure that God had. How about Daniel? We can go on and on and on, but we are continuing next week. The tape is up. I mean, I can go on for the next one hour, but you don't like that. I'm very trustworthy. God counts me to preach for three hours. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trustworthy. You didn't hear me. Say, God, trust me. I'm just going to ask me, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I, I'm ready to stay for another thing. God counts me. To pray for, to teach for three hours. It counts on me. But you guys don't count on me for that. And since you don't count on me for my wife has stood up. Oh. Okay, church is over. Can you get up? Let's pray. Okay. I, I, she saved Sue. Sue was going to stand up. You, now you saved Sue. Sue is looking like.